You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Genesis 32, verses 28 and 30. Genesis 32, verses 28 through 30. It says, And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Could we all pray before we're seated? God, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the the mighty and powerful move of God that's already been in here. God, many lives have already been touched. God, I thank you for the presence that has swept through here. God, I ask you to open our hearts and our minds, God, to your word, Lord. Let it be applicable to our lives, God. Let us be challenged, God. Let us be inspired, Lord, to follow after you, God, and to seek you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, God. I give you praise and glory. Amen, amen. You may be seated. We're going to read a handful of verses um, here today, but as we look at the story of Jacob and some of his lineage, but um, first, I just want to mention as we get into this, this ties into my message, which is entitled Face to Face, Face to Face. That's actually a, a character of Marcus and I wrestling. I'll leave it right there so you can, assuming I'm the older one, but I don't have a beard, so, Um, and no, we're not going to reenact that. You guys already know the outcome. So, talking face to face is uh, a different thought nowadays. Even when I said this, some of you are thinking, does he mean FaceTime? Does that count? Does a, Zoom, does a Zoom meeting count? Does Google Meets, does that count as face-to-face? I heard a no. I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no. Anybody else want to say no today? No. no. Okay. This younger generation in these first couple of pews, including Brother Bruce, is thinking, well, I don't know. So, a letter. All right, they're confused again. A letter. A text, a voicemail. This is not face-to-face. It's not face-to-face. Face-to-face, it brings about more emotions. It allows you to read the expressions of the person you're talking to. (laughs) You know when you said something wrong or something you shouldn't have. You know when you really got their attention. You get to hear the tone you get to see the acceptance of what you just said. Like, oh, well, I, sh- I struck a note there. I hit a chord. Musician lingo. <laughs> These guys up here, they get it with me. So sorry to leave some of you in the dark. Even an email. During the workday, I, I love a checklist. And if my checklist includes a lot of texting and emailing to get things done, I feel accomplished. 
but it's still not, it's still not face to face. It was hard to even write some of these thoughts down without thinking of Brother Pasley. I don't know if it's something he just recoined, but he would tell people, you got a face for radio. <laughs> I thought a lot of his one-liners uh, as I was doing some of these, but isn't, that's always funny. But I, I, even this week, I, I shook a hand to someone. I went to a volleyball game. I shook the hand of this guy, and I was like, well, first of all, I went to the wrong guy. And there, okay, here's a problem, face to face. All I remember to this guy pre-COVID was he had a beard with a shaved head. So I walked up to the first bearded, shaved head guy I saw, and I was like, hey, Moses. He went, no, Dwight, but that's Moses. And it was right, another bald-headed guy with a beard. And I was like, I stopped there. I didn't ask if they were brothers, but I said, okay. All right, so I was somewhere close and said, hey, Moses. He said, yeah. He said, good to put a face with the name. Right? Face to face. It's just hard to get, but all of a sudden you get face with a name, and then even when you're emailing them different things, for some reason that blurry block in your head is clear. You're actually picturing them a lot of times, like you were almost talking to them. But face to face. We see in the Bible here, and then as, as we take this verse that um, we just read together from Genesis, Jacob saying, For I have seen God face to face. We know that no one. No one has seen God face to face. And the other time this comes up in the Bible is a little bit later in Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. It says, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Even in that moment, God was embodied in this burning bush, right? And this burning bush is, is what's talking to Moses. He recognizes, he recognizes even God's voice. And even then, even then, he's afraid to look upon it. So if you're like me, in, type, in terms of like a historical process or someone's trying to tell you a story and a piece in the Bible, sometimes I lose the preacher for about 30, 40 seconds as I'm trying to place where that lineup just went. Okay, what, uh, what happened? What just happened? Where, why are we there? Or you, you try to process a little bit. When you look at a story in the Bible, sometimes you try to go back a chapter and just understand or get your bearings. Like, okay, that's right. This just happened. Now we're here and everybody's going to be here in in a second. So I'm going to take us all, since we started in Genesis, Brother Danny confirmed we're going to go back to Genesis 1, but, well, we're not going to go back to Genesis 1. We'll go a little bit fast forward. So so Adam and Eve, we'll go to the first people that walked here on earth, right? So we've got Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, story of Cain and Abel, right? And Cain kills Abel. Then at 130 years old, The Bible says Adam and Eve have another son, Seth. Okay, so from Seth then, I'm not going to do the scripture reading where we say begot, begot, begot. Say thank you, thank you, thank you. Just kidding. (laughs) All right, so seven, eight generations happen, right? Seven, eight generations happen from Seth, and all of a sudden we're at Noah and his sons. So we're here now at Noah and his sons from, from Adam, from Seth, to Noah and his sons the flooding of the earth, and then the clans of Noah, the Bible says. The clans of Noah all get together, 
They're building this city. They start to build the tower so they can speak to God, right? They think they're going to go up and reach God. God takes care of that, puts in many languages, scatters them all across the world. But from Noah's son, Shem, okay? So from one of Noah's sons, Shem, we get seven, eight more generations, begat, begat, begat. And we get to Abram. Okay, then as we get to Abram, which once will be called Abraham, Abram's obedience is noticed by God and he's given a promise that he and his descendants will become a great nation and the hand of God will be on them. Now, I don't know why God waited until he got to Abram. I don't know why all these other generations were passed on. But for some reason, in God's timing, which we don't always understand, we're all in agreement on that, we don't always understand that, but in God's timing, he chooses Abram. From this lineage of Adam, he chooses Abram. He notices his obedience. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So then Abraham goes on for a period of years and becomes worried Because him and Sarah have not had a son yet. He becomes worried. Sarah becomes worried. And in Genesis 15, verses 12 through 16, then God speaks to Abraham and says, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. Sorry, still Abram at this point. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. And they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So Abraham and Sarah are still waiting. But God reminds him, hey, I still have you in mind. Here's the plan For the people. Here's the plan for all these generations that I said you would have. Here's what's going to happen. You're not going to see it fulfilled in the years you live on this earth, but it's going to happen. And he gives them that promise again. Moving forward, then Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. They go through this great test of the sacrifice of Isaac. And in this Abrahamic lineage of the promised. Now Isaac is the next in line and inherits everything from his father, Abraham, including, including, everyone say, God's promise, which was to make them into a great nation. Then Isaac grew old. We're all aging. We're all aging as we sit in here today. Stop right there. Lost my train of thought. Then as Isaac grew old, then as he grew old, then Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau come, on, come into the picture. Now the great story between Jacob and Esau kind of continues, but really the hype of it and the beginning where it starts is 
it was talked about how Esau, the firstborn of the twins, the first one that comes out, then Jacob, we always hang on to this story as he was hanging on to the heel of his brother, right? Then he's born, he's the, the burly, the hairy, the, the manly man, the one that hunts in the field, the one that enjoys the land, and, and Jacob is kind of a little bit more settling, walking the day, hanging on his thoughts, meditating, singing a song maybe. And here we've got, at this point in time, as Isaac grows old and is on his deathbed, or his sight is not as well, that's a specific part of the story that we know, he uh, he's mentioned something about the time of the birthright and sends Esau out to kill something and make the soup that he loves. Kind of sounds good. Everybody think of their favorite soup right now? Thinking about maybe tomato soup from Panera? With a grilled cheese to dip it in? Oh, I got an O. That's what I was wondering if I get an O on that. That sounds pretty good. So, meanwhile, as he leaves, then what happens? Their mother steps in with Jacob, and he quickly devises a plan, right? Devises this plan. And uh, Rebecca makes the soup for Jacob. Jacob goes in and speaks with his father, saying that, hey, I'm back I've made your soup. He's even saying like, hey, that was, that was really quick. He just said, hey, God bless me with success today. So he moves in quickly, begins to talk this out with Isaac. And at the end of it here in Genesis 27, Genesis 27, 27 through 29, and he came near and kissed him. This is Jacob kissed Isaac and he smelled the smell of his clothing. He wanted him to come close. He wanted to smell the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Needless to say, Esau is upset. He is very upset. When he comes in later to realize that the blessing has been given on, it's past him, it's been given to his younger brother, and there's no redoing a blessing that back then. Talk about when a word was all you needed. You didn't need a handshake. That would have worked for these COVID times. So could have helped. All right. So in Genesis 27, then verse uh, 38 says, And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Not what he wanted to hear. Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword shall you live. And you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. When you grow restless, this yoke will be broken. Esau hated, Esau hated Jacob and said, when my father's days are done, I'm going to kill him. When my father's days are done, I'm going to kill Jacob. Genesis 27, verse 42, it says, In the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah, So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. 
Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Now, also, meanwhile, in the back of this, Rebecca goes to Isaac and says, hey, we don't want, we don't want Jacob to marry like, uh, we don't want Jacob to marry like Esau did. We don't want him to marry women in this tribe and around in this nation. Let's send him to Laban to find a wife. So she continues to weave this web and conspire things to help him be blessed to leave also in this moment. So they go to Isaac and he thinks he's already given the blessing, but he also blesses him to leave to go to find a wife. So the plot thickens. What was that old uh, Days of Our Lives or something like that? <laughs> I never even watched it. I just know we talked about Days of Our Lives. Anybody hum the tune? All right, getting far. All right, yeah, don't worry about that. So Genesis uh, 25. So in this moment, you're processing how in the world this is the family the promise was supposed to be given through. This is getting crazy. The bless- so out of deception, the blessing's been passed on. That doesn't make any sense when you're thinking about the promise of of God and the promise to this generation to be a great nation is then handed down through deception, through lying, through cheating. But we remember back to Genesis 25. Genesis 25, starting in verse 21. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her, And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? I've never been pregnant, but she's saying, let me give a quick interpretation for a guy. I think, what's going on in my belly? Why is everything moving around like crazy? I think that's pretty straightforward. I think you could share that with somebody. So she went to inquire of the Lord and said, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Crazy to think, but so God knew. God knew there'd be turmoil between these two. God said the younger, all right, the older will serve the younger. He knew, but here's the problem. Jacob didn't do it God's way. God had a way to probably orchestrate and make that happen, but Jacob stepped in. Jacob said, and and Rebecca, but Jacob still has to answer for himself. He he stepped in and he made his own plan. He he made things messy. So Jacob now is known, when we look at the not-so-great attributes of someone's life, a con artist, a liar, a manipulator. And his name then meant what? a deceiver, or a grabber. Guess what? Abraham and Isaac were also known for what? Distorting the truth. Remember when they came into new nations, they struggled with telling the truth out of fear. And God would remind them, I I had all of this under control, but still, through all these things, the promise continues. The promise, they hold on to this promise so in, in Jacob's first stage of life where he lives up to his name, Jacob steals Esau's birthright. He gets permission then to flee under a, a separate thought or idea. And even then, even then, as I keep saying, this promise 
is still being handed, is still being worked out by God. Even then, what happens? In Genesis 28 is the story of Jacob's ladder. You see, it didn't matter at that point what Jacob had gained. He, he gained the birthright. That's a big deal back then. He was guaranteed everything to be handed off and the blessing handed off to him. Then why is he running? Why is he living in fear now? All of a sudden, in my mind, if I was in his shoes, that didn't really seem worth it or that didn't seem like the way it should go. I'd just been given this great thing and my life got worse. So now Jacob went out, Genesis 28, verses 10 through 17. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. Doesn't sound very comfortable. And he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set upon the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will leave uh, you until I have done what I have. I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. That's pretty significant. After what he just did, he then just takes the stone, anoints it, and, and, and gives it a name. I know this is hindsight, but I feel like I'd have done more than that thinking, wow, I still have God's blessing. To me, in my mind, in this topic of face-to-face, I feel like Jacob just sent back a quick, a quick thanks. Thanks, God. Send. Just a real quick hey, a quick tagging, like, hey, I appreciate that. Wanted to recognize that you did that. So we're good. You know I recognize it, and I'm going to keep moving on because I got places to go. The second stage in, Jacob's deceived. You know what's wrong for us to want that for people. I want to mention that today. Sometimes we feel sorry for them when they get a taste of their own medicine. Sometimes people do. It's how, the, it's how life rolls sometimes. But Jacob gets there, speaks with Laban, and he says, your family, your family. I'm, I, I'm excited that you're here. My, my sister's son is here. He's here to work. But I want to, what's, what's a fair wage? How can we work this out? Well, he had just met Rachel at the well. And he said, don't worry, babe. I'm not going into the Leah-Rachel thing. I met Leah at the well. There we go. It's a whole different story. You're not going to find it in the Bible. So Jacob meets Rachel at the well. He's, he's smitten. He, he falls in love with Rachel. He gets there and he says, I want Rachel as my wife. Laban says, yeah, sure, no problem. Work these seven years for me, right? So he works the seven years and then I'm assuming it was a pretty crazy party that was going on at the feast and then he switches his daughters, Switches his daughters. Jacob realizes uh, this is Leah, not Rachel. And he goes to Laban to talk it out. 
Guess what he says? Hey, look, this is a custom here. Sorry, I'm sorry you didn't know about our custom, but this is our custom. The, the oldest daughter marries first, so you get the oldest one first. And then, so he marries Leah, and then he says, okay, at the end of the week, though, you can have Rachel also, and then you got to work another seven years for me. So, Jacob does it. So he works these 14 years, then another six. By the end of this, Jacob's been there now for 20 years and has been very successful. All of a sudden, one day, he's feeling like it's time to move on. He has a few of these dreams, a few things happen, some things go, and he decides, okay, I'm leaving. This is how I'm leaving without a conversation from Laban. Maybe he tried to text Laban, and Laban didn't have reception. Okay? That can, that can happen, which is another reason face-to-face is better. All right? So he says, so Laban begins to track him down. It takes him like seven days to track uh, Jacob and, and all of his family, his daughters, his grandchildren. In Genesis 31, verse 50, 51, it says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Here is the heap. So, I'm sorry, let me say this. So he gets there, he meets with him, he says, What in the world did you just do? You took my daughters, you took my grandchildren. That's fine, you took everything that, that you earned, even though I feel like we didn't like, finalize. We didn't have this last word on it, but you left. You just left and took off with everything, he said. So they just agree. They agree to say, you know what? We'll end it right here. Maybe not uh, in the best way to say we'll be friends later, but they just had an agreement to disagree here. And it said, here is the heap and here is the pillar which I have placed between you and me. This is Laban speaking to Jacob. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. So 20 years, he's added all this great wealth, but he's still running. No security. No security at all. He still feels like he's running. Now he can't turn back. He's burnt this bridge with Laban. There's a, a, a pillar between them saying they won't cross this point. And all of a sudden then he enters into this third stage of his life where he becomes the grabber and he holds on to God. Before he can get there, he realizes, I have to go back towards Esau. I never made amends with Esau. I don't know where he's at in life. And he definitely didn't hear, he definitely didn't hear Isaac's blessing to Esau saying that after time this yoke would be broken. So in Genesis 32, verses 1 and 2, we see here, as Jacob goes to leave away from Laban, so Jacob went on his way. Jacob went on his way. Didn't say God's way. Didn't say he felt this direction from God. Didn't say he went before God and said, where, where, do, you want, where do you want my family to go? What direction am I headed? I'm the one, next one carrying this promise. Where, what do you want me to do, God? It says, Jacob went on his way. Everybody say his way. And the angels of God met him. He went on his way, and God still met him. I need some Jacob luck every once in a while. Okay, Jacob. Um, So here he goes, and he meets him. So once again, it's just this informal, not this face-to-face when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp, and he called the name of the place Mahanaim, 
which meant camps, two camps, or camps plural. Once again, I'm looking back and forth, I'm reading before and after going, that's it? You just left Laban, you've been confronted that you did this the wrong way, you burnt another bridge, and that's it? Just another quick shout of, hey, I saw the angels, thanks. Send. Jacob then gets down the road after seeing these angels, feeling this blessing again on the direction he's headed, and Jacob sends everyone ahead and alone and stays on the riverbank. Now, he just didn't send everybody ahead and said, hey, I'll meet up with you. He knew they were headed to Esau. He knew, remember, this is the deceiver. There's no way he just sent them ahead. You got to play this up. What did he do? And I, I, every time I read this stuff in the Bible, this blows my mind in terms of farming. I don't know if any, any of you have been involved in farming, but he had to spare 200 plus goats, 200 plus rams. Then he had somewhere between 20 and 40 camels, 20 and 40 bulls, 20 and 40 donkeys. And he told everybody, hey, keep the herds separate. Keep them separate. Space all this out. He wanted it to be a parade almost, going to Esau. And he told the first servant, when you get to Esau, when Esau comes in your path with his men to kill us, I want you to let him know. When he asks you, who is your master? Let him know that it's Jacob and that you've sent these gifts for him, for Esau. So he's got this whole circus headed towards them. All these gifts for Esau. And then Jacob goes back to the other side of the river alone with nothing. He sent even his family ahead of him. And stays alone on this bank at night. So I feel like he just sends a a quick email to God. Hey, I'm going to get this reconciled with Esau. Here's my plan. Send. Genesis 32, then, 9 through 12. It says, Then Jacob said, O God, my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. He's calling back this promise, this blessing. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant, for I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, And now I have become two companies. So I crossed over with nothing, and now I've got two companies worth. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He lives afraid. This is no way for the person that's carrying the promise of the generation to generation. This is no way for the nation of God to live, yet he lives afraid. As he falls asleep that night, though, something happens. I feel like he got God's attention again. Even though he put his plan into place, he sent them all. Then he knelt down to pray and said, oh God, have mercy on me. Here's the plan that I've done. The problem is, as we look to Genesis 32, Genesis 32, verses 22 through 30, Jacob, in this moment, becomes so startled. 
And I want to say why. Because he's allowed Satan to distract him completely. He's completely distracted by Satan and focused on everything else but the direction and path that God has for these people. As, I, as we read these verses, I want to keep in mind, I, I really don't think that he knew what was happening at first because I feel like he was almost scared of his own shadow in where he was living at this time. It says in verse 22, And he arose that night and took two wives, took his two wives, his two female servants, his eleven sons, and crossed over the Jordan of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent what, over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. So we go back. So now we're figuring out, and it says, And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the day breaks. Before we go in here, though, he's just saying, A man. So going back to that first picture, I feel like, the men and women in the Bible, when they talk about it, they'll say the angel of the Lord. There's other times where they said God had sent angels dressed as men, different things. So here he's saying it was just a, it was a man. But he's so startled and so distracted right now in life, he doesn't even recognize that this is from God, that this is God in this moment. And he begins to wrestle. And we know how, how frantic, how beside we get with ourselves in life, when we have let life get the best of us, when we've been trying to figure everything else on everything out on our own, and then and, and we haven't tried giving anything to God, and here we, here he is, he just immediately starts wrestling. It says he wrestles till daybreak. I'm trying to emphasize the fact he was beside himself. You've been traveling that far, all that's been going on. This is like that extra energy that you don't know where it came from. So it says he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint and he wrestled with him. I think in that moment when the power of God touched him. So he was already wrestling with that guy. Their bodies were, you know, they were entangled. But the moment he, he touched him in a way for the power of God to hit him, in that moment when he touched his hip and it went out of joint, then he knew this, this is not a man. All of a sudden Jacob wakes up. He wakes up to what's going on. And he's wondering what just happened. And he says on, this, on that part there at the end, in verse 26, and he said, let me go for the daybreak. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So now that he knows, wow, this, this is God. This is God in this moment. Now he's grabbing. He's holding on. Right? He's fulfilling his name. He was the deceiver. Then he was deceived. Now he's grabbing. He's holding on with everything he can because he knows. He knows this is my last chance. This is a moment that I got to take advantage of because I don't have everything right. I was on the path and I was off. I was on, I was off. And here he's saying, so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life was preserved. In this moment, when God finally touches and wakes him up, 
out of this coma that he had been in in life, just running and constantly doing things his own way. All of a sudden, the power of God touches him, and he realizes, I've got to hold on to this to get back on track. I've got to hold on to this so I can, so I can seek God's face. I've got to get back to where I was headed at one point or different points of my life. So Jacob knew more than ever, more than ever before, that he needed and he realized that what his dependence on God truly was. Because why? Because God continued to bless him. His relationship with God became essential to his life and his name change said it. Israel means struggles with God. Struggles with God. If you'll stand with me, I'm going to say a few more things before I open this altar. But I just want to know in a show of hands, how many of you have been touched by God in your life? You've been touched by God. And we know when we're touched by God, we know without a shadow of a doubt, with, there's no question when God, we feel God's spirit, just a jolt run through our body. We have no question when God heals a part of our body. We know in this moment that God has touched us. Jacob did everything, both right and wrong, with great zeal. You got to hand it to him. Even when he was doing something wrong, he did it with great zeal. He really had it organized. He really uh, made a full plan of it. He deceived his own brother and his father. He wrestled with that angel. He worked 14 years to marry the woman he loved. Through Jacob, we learn how a strong leader can also be a servant. We also see what? How our wrong actions will and can create consequences that will follow us or meet back up with us later in life. Jacob was not a perfect hero, but was more like us, trying to please God. But here's the thing, if I can have your attention, falling short. We're all trying to please God. Everybody's standing in here today. You came to church because that was one of the things you're trying to please God. And unfortunately, we fall short sometimes. We all do. Not one person in here hasn't fallen short or is falling short even as we stand here. I don't know if there's anyone in here today who does not relate with Jacob's humanity. We'd maybe even look at some of these stories or pieces of his life and just think, wow, what a fool, or that's so crazy. And at the same time, look at our own life and say, boy, I've been there. I was a fool like that one time, or I, I went that direction. I put this all together without asking for God's hand and for God's touch. I, I just sent that, that, I just touched base. I just tagged in with God and said, hey, that was great. Thanks for the touch, or I got more things to do. I got other, other ways to go. But I wasn't seeking this face to face with him. Jacob's humanity, we see in these stories fears, darkness, loneliness, vulnerabilities, empty feelings of powerlessness, exhaustion, and relentless pain. Hear me today we have to stop seeking quick communication. We're challenged right now in life, in the world that we live, and what's all in front of us. I hope, I hope and pray, as we're all standing in here together, and whoever's listening today, I hope that that does not bleed over into our spiritual life. 
I'm trying to say, I hope we don't just get this amazing touch of God or realize in a service or in a moment when we're knelt down in our home or in a Bible study or at a life group or at a conference. I hope that we don't get this amazing move of God and we're touched by God and we feel the direction and the purpose and we just send a quick tag as we're running on or we're thinking as we walk out of there and start driving home, everything that's got to be done that week for work. I hope we're not just tagging. I hope our life is changed in that moment and we're back on that path where we're seeking God's face. I'm trying to help us. I'm trying to help myself remind us that we got to keep seeking God's face in this fast-paced life and generation. So are you searching for God or is God searching for you? Because the Bible keeps telling us he's not, he's not going to stop. Wherever we make our bed, we make our bed in hell, God is going to be there. He's not going to let us go. He's going to keep searching after us. But after he's touched us, could we be the ones searching for him? I feel like Jacob was so desperate in that moment. There's no way that he wasn't tired. But he realized everything I've gone through. There's different ages all in this congregation right now. And life is perspective. But everything that we go through and everything that you've gone through, at one point are you going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab a hold. I'm going to grab a hold of God until I get this straightened out, until I get this figured out. I want to seek to be with God face to face. But that's not going to happen. Not going to happen until we reach heaven. It's not going to happen on this earth. So it's a path that we're following if it could happen here, I would, I'd be afraid. I would wonder, would we, we would take it for granted like we do other things. It's something to look forward. I just, I want to know who wants to see Jesus. That's got to be a focus of ours. As we close our eyes for a moment. I just ask the question, who needs a touch from God today? Before you get too far ahead of yourself, before you solve everything in your life, before you think you've got everything together, I just wonder, are we willing to hold on until God touches us? Are we hungry to see his face. In the end, Jacob does what we must all do. He confronts his failures, his weakness, his sins, and all the things that, he's, that are hurting him. And he faces God. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, 
or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.